0: Hi, this is Interviews 104 with Alexi Kingsbury from the United Kingdom. He is the co-founder of Air Manual, a startup that helps businesses to document their processes, onboarding and training, so that employees can take on new responsibilities and deliver high-quality work more quickly and efficiently. Alex is also the co-founder of SpiderGap, an employee-friendly tool for 360-degree feedback, as well as a partner in the management consultancy Bridging Insight Limited, which focuses on improving the ways in which teams across organizations work together. But because he wasn't busy enough, <laughs> Alex is also hosts the Parent Pruner Accelerator podcast, and is the founder of Parentpreneur Limited, helping parentpreneurs to build successful startups whilst having quality time with their families. So as you have may as you may have guessed, we're going to talk a lot about employee development today. But before that, make sure you log on my website and download your copy of my ebook, The Entrepreneur Mindset: Seven Tactics to Avoid Being the Bottleneck in your business. You'll find the link in the show notes. Hello, Alexei. Thank you very much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. Great to be here. Right. So, as like I said, you seem to be very busy. <laughs> <laughs> I, I so like, tell us a little bit about your journey. Yeah, that's a, that's a fair assessment.
1: Um, I I definitely bring it upon myself. I um, you know, I've I've always been uh, sort of uh, big into like just taking on new stuff and learning and continually growing myself and um, putting myself out of my comfort zone and so on and so I think with that comes uh, a lot of saying yes to things and opportunities that you get to work on which means that you end up very busy um, but the nice thing is that along the journey I've had I've been forced if you like <laughs> by the nature of that I've been forced to work out how do i reduce time on certain things how do i delegate more effectively so in the case of for example uh, we built spider gap as a, a 360 degree feedback tool developed that over the years it's now the top rated 360 feedback tool it's used all over the world by over 550 organizations that's been an awesome journey for us we've built the team and so on but to do that i've had to obviously like pass responsibilities to other people and that's something that uh, A set of skills that I didn't have or even develop back when I was a management consultant before I started these software businesses. And so that's a skill set, but also a set of processes, essentially, that I've had to uh, develop and put in place so that we could do a good job of uh, freeing up time. And, and, And as a result of all that over the last sort of eight years of building that software business, Um, my co-founder and i have now got to a point where we're no longer operationally required in that in that business day-to-day we Mm. are able to provide coaching to the leadership team and and so on but essentially day-to-day and and week-to-week month-to-month they operate without us and that's a, a fantastic thing i guess as a Feather in the cap as an entrepreneur, because that's often the dream, right? You build something and you you get it to operate without you, uh, partly to reduce the risk, you know, if you're suddenly not available because of holiday, sickness, whatever. But also, and the thing I think I love most about it is what it means for the team. It means that the team have been able to grow and develop and take on more responsibilities rather than being stuck in a role underneath me and, you know, uh, uh, unable to, to kind of take on more exciting leadership stuff that they are capable of even mm-hmm. if they don't realize it when they first join the organization uh because I, often i find that the uh, the best a players Often don't assess themselves really high, <laughs> and so one of the things you have to do as a manager, and we'll talk more about like employee development and so on. One of the things you have to do as a manager with A players is actually encourage them and show them what they are capable of, which is uh, which is really sweet. So uh, that's been an amazing part of that journey, uh, and has helped me manage a level of busyness <laughs> that I can tolerate.
0: Yeah, yeah. How many how frequently you say I don't have time? <laughs> yeah <laughs> well I've, uh i i think I, i've
1: had to change my uh my my attitude to that so that it's more about how do i find the time or what should i be prioritizing my time on is probably the question that i i kind of pose instead and try to take ownership of it because um there have been times when i am just thinking oh my god i've just got so much on and I feel, you know, I'm starting to feel like there's just I'm I'm struggling a bit with this, and and I remember whenever that's happened, I always think, well, I have the option of increasing my working hours, like and, and particularly over the last six seven years, I've been very good at managing my working hours, uh, particularly because I have two small children and a wonderful wife, so I make sure that I finish on time and, and so on. I'm not an entrepreneur that does hundred hour weeks and uh, and so on. I, you know, I, I manage broadly around a forty hour week. And um, so you might say, well, great, you can get more done just by increasing your working hours. And I always remember that because then I think, well, why don't I? And it's because I'm putting an artificial stop in. I'm deciding I finish at this particular time so that I can go and do homework with the kids and I can uh, be supportive and do all those things. But then you can turn the argument around. You can say, well, in which case, if you've got an artificial stop there, you could move the artificial stop earlier and reduce Mm -hmm. the amount of time. And so then it kind of forces you to think it's just a prioritization exercise. There's never it's never the case that you've got a certain amount of work that needs to get done. You are just prioritizing. Like if you said that I due to health issues, I could only work 10 hours a week total. I would then just have to make it work. It's not like, oh, well, that that, you know, that's not possible. You'd have to find a way. And so, um, yeah, it's a constant game of prioritization to, to manage the time.
0: Indeed. Well, we're going to talk about uh, that uh, a little bit later in the conversation and how entrepreneurs can free up their time. And of course, what are the benefits of it? But first, I'm curious, how did you become an entrepreneur? Yeah, so I suppose I've always
1: wanted to be an entrepreneur. Like when I was little, even like 10, 11, 12, 13 years old, I was playing around with like basic coding of websites and uh, going door to door and selling like car washing services and so on. Uh, but I but I didn't know how to make a uh, a business that could grow and be an asset, and so I became uh, I studied management science at university. Of course, running little businesses along the way, <laughs> and then uh, then became management consultant. And then when I left consulting to, to set up my own businesses, uh, that's that's kind of where I went. So I've kind of had a lot of the different experiences of it that I think some people have some you know doing it instead or before doing uh, uh, upper education and uh, then later on doing it coming out of a corporate uh, role out of management consultancy so I've kind of had a lot of those different experiences of coming from one to the other and uh, yeah as a result back in 2010 was when we started uh, Bridging Insight, the consultancy. And then within a year, we had created Spider Gap. And then within a couple of years of that, we'd pivoted. So it's focused on 360s. It then really started to take off and we grew it then. And then uh, I created the Parentpreneur Accelerator because I was being asked to speak to uh, a load of early stage startups and decided it was the most efficient way in which I could uh, provide the coaching and advice that I was keen to help with. But at the same time, wasn't able to provide one to one, so I, I did that via podcast and some accelerator programs. Uh, interestingly, and this is like breaking news for for this podcast, uh, I've just agreed a sale of that uh, business, the parentpreneur business, um, okay. so that that's going to be picked up by. A guy who uh, Michael Kittinger is absolutely awesome. Uh, he's got similar experiences to me in terms of uh, building businesses whilst having young kids, and uh, and as a result, I'm going to be handing handing that over to him. Which is another great example of like ha- the the value of setting up your business in a way that other people can take it on. And there's a there's a great um, uh, Drucker quote that I, I saw the other uh, that I was reminded of the other day, which is that. Um, no organization can be uh can sustain and perform in the long term and i'm paraphrasing uh, consistent su- sustain and perform in the long term if it requires uh geniuses or super human mm. people to run it like you can't you can't rely you, you can't make your business rely wholly on your genius and your ability um you need to set it up in such a way that essentially average people obviously you want great talent but average people should be able to run it and i think that's been something that I've perhaps learned as part of management consultancy and come to so that that's been helpful in terms of getting into that entrepreneurial journey is is getting those different experiences Uh, sometimes it can make it feel like there's a lot in my head (laughs) like 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 everything's blurry rather than just feeling like I've got a really clear idea of oh I've come out of school and i want to set up a gardening business and that's really simple because i know what a gardening business looks like uh instead it feels like it's been a a very curvy route um Mm. but uh but perhaps that suits me
0: (laughs) (laughs) so so today you help uh, businesses um systemize uh themselves through procedures processes uh providing them with more structure before that well you also help entrepreneurs freeing up their time you know so for example they can take vacation yeah. <laughs> you're also into uh, employee development or used to be into employee development what is the common the commonality between each of these of these roles or each of these companies is that people
1: yeah i, I so so i think the the commonality across all of it i'd say, I, i'd argue would be continuous improvement I'm really passionate about making sure that um, myself, my team, my businesses, the, the ways in which we work are continuously improving. I hate the idea that we might do things a particular way and then never change it, never make things better in the future. And and so that I, I think that's the common thread. I think for for Spider Gap, for example, that's a three sixty degree feedback tool that helps employees to prioritise their personal development based on feedback from others. And so that's all about continuous improvement, right? It's mm-hmm. how, based on the feedback of others, how can I be a, a better employee? How can I demonstrate the company values better and, and improve my ability and therefore take on more responsibility and and. Uh, And we're really big on employee development. I've talked about growing my team and and so on, both in terms of size, but also in terms of uh, capability. And so and that's the same, like our, our fourth core value is always look to improve. And so we we attract people into the team that, that are also passionate about continuously improving their own performance and, and what they can do uh, and learning, you know, reading books, listening to wonderful podcasts like yours to, to continually develop your thinking and improve what you're doing. So I think I think that's um, a big part of it. I think, and then as that flows into what we do at Air Manual, Air Manual is essentially about documenting your processes, your onboarding as checklists that are easy to follow, but also easy to edit. You know, one of the things that I love the most is when I, uh, when we, in fact, I've um, just come from a team meeting in which uh, a, a team member was showing how they've completed their, on, their end-to-end onboarding into a particular role. And we were kind of talking about how it's a six-month program of their onboarding which feels like really long and and so on but of course there are multiple milestones there you know they were able to uh, within one day, they understood how the company worked and felt welcomed and supported and engaged. Within seven days, they were able to start delivering value by having sales calls and demo calls with customers. Within 30 days, they were able to do all of the key responsibilities of their role without any very serious major issues. Within three months, there's no, you know, not even some minor issues. In six months, they've mastered the role and are ready to move on. But the bit I love most about all of that, aside from... The speed at which we get them up to, uh, up to speed, the fact that a lot of that I'm not having to spoon, food, uh, spoon feed them, I'm not having to spend a load of time teaching them stuff directly. It's, it's very low uh, uh, time, um, it's, it's a very low time sink for me because they're a lot of it's self driven. But one of the things I love so much is when these incredibly smart people but with experiences from outside the company, et cetera, when they ask questions or have ideas or, or challenge me on things that are in the onboarding or in the in a process or whatever. And I go, that's a really good point. I hadn't thought about that. Here's the answer, or I agree with you, or uh, come, with, come to me with a solution or whatever. And then uh, I, uh, now the assumption would be made, but I would then uh, in the early days, I would then explicitly say, okay, please update the process. And so the great thing is, it means that continually using their genius, using issues that happen, whatever, whenever that happens, we're always putting it back into the process, back into the onboarding, which means that next time it doesn't even come up as an issue because we've addressed it. And it means that in our organization, we, we it's very rare that we repeat mistakes because when a mistake happens or an issue happens or we come up with an idea of how something could be improved, we look at where in the process, where in the training did this need to change? click edit, literally add in a step, publish, done. (laughs) And that's it. And it just improves forever. And so I think that's what I'm super passionate about because I think often organizations, businesses are looking to have big leaps forward. Mm. And sometimes those happen. But I think the biggest leaps forward actually come incrementally. Little changes, little things that you put in over time, that over the course of months and years yield huge results. You know, it's the... It's the hundred relationships that you develop over a five year period where some of them then pay off and turn into stuff that becomes the big partnership. It's, you know, it's not a case of, oh, I made one phone call that led to one partnership. Yeah. It's, it, you had to do lots more than that for that to, to generate. And so, and I think the same goes through the operations and the processes and, and freeing up your time. It's, it's rare that you do one big action like selling a business or whatever, like that does happen, but some people never or once or twice in their lifetime. Most of the time you're freeing up time incrementally. It's taking off my uh, task list, sending invoices, you know, getting that documented, getting that delegated to someone else so that they can then do that activity and then I'm not doing it and doing that on an incremental basis. So I think that's the, the core uh, for me is I just love continuous improvement.
0: You make me think of Ray Dalio. Yeah yeah, of yeah, yeah, author principles.
1: Yeah. You've read it. Yeah, I'm a fan of principles, yeah. <laughs>
0: I'm not surprised. <laughs> Let's talk about entrepreneurs and how they can free up their time, because this is one of the core things that you do. And it's an important topic, because entrepreneurs are very, very, very busy people. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> they have a lot on their plates. You already talked uh, at the beginning of the conversation, you talked about uh prioritizing. Yep. Uh, can you give us like two or three practical uh examples of how can an entrepreneur free up their time?
1: Absolutely. I think the f- the first thing is to feel empowered about this because I think often the problem is that we can feel overwhelmed. As you mm-hmm. say, as entrepreneurs, we're super busy. But of course we have to remember that the most empowering thing about time management is it is one of the few resources that exists where we all have exactly the same amount.
0: Yep. you know like often it's when free, we actually
1: and, and it's free <laughs> <laughs> although you can buy more you can buy some of it back so it's it's a it, the relative value changes relatively <laughs> um, but it but certainly we all have the same amount and so whether we're looking at uh, Richard Branson or, or, or uh, Elon Musk or whatever they have a very different resource set to both each other and to ourselves and yet, in terms of the number of hours they have on the, in the day, they have exactly the same. And so I think we have to feel empowered by that rather than overwhelmed as our starting point, because it means that we do have full control. We do have the ability to decide what we want to prioritize, what we value, how much time we want to spend on certain priorities. And we have the ability. Unfortunately, there's lots of information out there on how to do a really good job of your time management and so and it's such a precious resource and so it's it's, it's always worth improving how you how you do it so it's it's a worthwhile activity so that's the nice thing about this area and why I love working in it is because if I'm saving an entrepreneur time and I'll talk about some specific examples but I'm not talking about a few minutes here and there I'm talking about uh, half the uh, half their working week or more it's it's mind-blowing the impact that can have on them personally on their business but also what they can do for the world so I, i i'm extremely excited when when i get to work with entrepreneurs on doing this because of the huge impact it can have so if we take as red everyone's got the same amount of time everyone would like more time and particularly as entrepreneurs there is always more valuable stuff that you can do with your time. It's not like a paid role where actually your employer will pay you the same amount of money whether you get it done in six hours or eight hours. Like as an entrepreneur, if you can do the same amount of work in two hours that you were doing in eight and that then you can use that six hours to do something valuable, that is huge. Yeah. So it's worth spending the time there. The question then is, so how do you make a a start of this? Because most entrepreneurs really get stuck. And an example that I share I was talking a bit to a business owner about this. So uh, he uh, was having a demo of uh, air manual. He said, this is fantastic, Alexis. You know, it's easy to use. And I can, I can totally see how I can use this in my business. Um, and, but I want you, you know, and I, and I want you help. And we've, we've got like consultants that that help, uh, that can help clients to to kind of break the back of this and so on. But he said, like, I just don't know where to start. Like, I had no idea where to start. And, as a, and, the, and the hilarious thing is already he was mentally blocking to the point of being like, so maybe I need to go talk to my team. Maybe let's put this off a few more weeks. Like already he was like putting the brakes on and um, undermining his uh, uh, need and passion for improving uh, his time management. So he said, I don't know where to start. I said, well, let's, what's currently taking most of your time per week? he said, doing price quotes takes me about 50, it takes me three hours per day. I was like, seriously, three hours per day. So 15 hours per week you're spending doing price quotes for customers. He said, yeah, it takes takes quite a bit of time. We have lots of them to do. And particularly it had been increasing because of the nature of the business. And he said, I know, I know, I know. I I should probably document it and get it passed over to the team. I suspect it'd take me about eight hours, but I've just not found the time. Now, of course, even if we assumed it was going to take eight hours, if it takes them three hours per day, eight hours means that it would only take three days before we've got three times three, that's nine hours that you'd get that time back. So mm-hmm. That'd be a good investment. Like if you, yeah. if, if you said you could do something now that you would be break even in three days, <laughs> you'd be crazy not to do it generally. Um, and particularly since it keeps on giving at that rate. So I said, well, uh, you know, we've got 45 minutes left on this call. Let's see what we can get done. And in 45 minutes, we would documented the entire process end to end, and we would scheduled a follow up call where we could then implement it with this team, which meant that then his account managers were able to do price quotes. And the best bit was that when I spoke to him about so later as a part of an impact review call, I said, well, you know, so you've freed up three hours per day. That must be amazing. Um, is that is that the biggest impact this had he said no biggest impact has been that previously customers were waiting days or weeks for price quotes <laughs> <and> now <laughs> they're getting them in minutes or hours yeah and you go oh wow yeah what well, that must do for conversions and things so i think that's uh, i think that's one of the challenges that as entrepreneurs that we often have is in theory we know that there's a return on investment of that time we know that we should be delegating some of these activities and the issue is that we either don't make the time or we don't know quite how. And I think the reason that we don't do that is because we make it bigger than it needs to be. I think we think about, oh, I need to document the whole business. Mm-hmm. And whilst that may be an outcome, that takes years.
0: Yeah.
1: And we've got, we've got clients who have sold their business. And one of the things that's helped them do that is because they've been able to document processes that otherwise that they were the owners of and it means that they've been able to sell the business and step out of it much quicker and literally off sailing and stuff um, when previously they wouldn't be able to but the aim isn't to get to that point first like that's something you come to your starting point should be identifying a few areas that you're currently spending time on that you shouldn't be that are lower value activities or are causing frustration or causing derails identify what those are identify either like if you can automate it great but a lot of the time you need to identify a role some role either internally or externally to the business that should be doing those responsibilities then list out the high level steps and start to get that passed over to other people now we've got templates and examples and uh, a team that can help do this with people and so on but even let's say that you've got no resources you're like i haven't i haven't got a Uh, You know, I haven't got um, any money at all to do anything and get any support, but you've still got the ability to write down the list. (laughs) You know, we can we've all got the ability to Mm. identify what is a particular responsibility that you're currently doing, capture it as a series of steps and then walk someone else through it so that they can uh, they can then do it. And it's possible that that person is already in your team. It might, you know, might not have to hire someone else to do it. Um, now, of course, we we would encourage people to use proper tools for it, like Air Manual, and get some support on this, because ultimately you're, we're talking about the utilization of two of your greatest assets and costs. One is you as the business owner, and the other is your employees, because most commonly they're the biggest cost in your business. So as a result, it's this is an area to get help and, and support and so on, because it, it has such great ROI. But ultimately, if nothing else, like that's what we should be doing as entrepreneurs on a regular basis is working out. What should I be fired? You know, what should I be fired from? What role, what role mm. in my business is, uh, should I be exiting from as quickly as possible? Is it sales? Is it customer service? Is it delivery? Is it finance? Is it HR? You know, what are the sub responsibilities that I need to be getting off my plate and repeating that process on a regular basis? Cause yeah. you don't do it all in one go.
0: It's, it's interesting because, you know, my, my, um positioning is to help uh, entrepreneurs n- not be the bottleneck in their business yeah. and one of the symptoms i have identified over and again yeah. is the fact that they never let go yeah. <laughs> especially as the business evolves when a business grows you it's really important for for entrepreneurs to elevate themselves yeah. take a step back uh, get away you know further away from the business so they got they got that 360 view but if they're not able to let go and transfer tasks to other delegates they they won't they won't be they won't have that ability, and therefore they will become the bottleneck in, in your business and I think the the example that you have uh, uh, used is a great is a great illustration of of that.
1: Yeah, and and, and it's this, uh, I, I think that's so wise I think you're absolutely spot on I think the. I think as entrepreneurs, we do struggle to let go. And I think there's a few reasons for that. I think that um, one is that we worry that the quality, the standard won't be done uh, as well. The second is I think we uh, we often think, oh, but it's faster for me to do it ourselves. So we think what with all the training and so on and Uh, uh, I have so many examples of where that's not true. And to the point that particularly if you, if you create self-service onboarding and through a series of steps and so on, you can get people trained up as uh, as I mentioned earlier with uh, consultants in my business that, you know, I had them doing sales calls, demo calls and so on within seven days, I spent an hour and a half with them total like they because they just follow the process and and so on and the the time I then spend with them is high value so I think that's you know that's not an issue but so the uh, that's the second one is that if the entrepreneur thinks it'll take more time for me to train them to than to just do it myself and then I think the third one is a really odd one which is that I think we don't realize what or think about what we could be doing instead I think we have this weird thing where it's almost like you know, almost uh, almost like someone who doesn't want to retire because they haven't got a hobby to go on to. It's, it's like, but if I let go of, if I'm not doing the selling or if I'm not doing this, then what am I going to do? And of course, the yeah. reality is, trust me, as an entrepreneur, there will always be more work for you to do. There will always be more opportunities that you identify. There'll be Uh, bigger partnerships you can leverage there'll be bigger customers you can go after there'll be uh, uh, exciting insights that you get into your finances or or ideas for your product right you will never be short of stuff to do that is higher value than the stuff you're doing now Mm. but you do have to let go of it as you say you need to be able to let go and that's something that I really struggle with probably about six years ago was that that sense of you know, struggling to delegate because I, and I really felt I was a control freak. That's how I described it at the time. I said, oh, you know, I'm just a bit of a control freak. And it wasn't until really spending time with other entrepreneurs and, uh, you know, getting coaching advice like like as you as, as you provide, where I realized that I will go nowhere unless I overcome this. I hmm. have to let I, this has to be the next thing that I address in, in my personal development. And it was really interesting. I shared with my t- small team at the at the time uh, that this is my biggest gap, and I'm going to be working on it. And I want your encouragement, feedback, help. And that's been incredible. Now I've got staff members that have joined you know in the last two, three years or whatever, and they can't even imagine that that ever that I ever would have struggled struggled with delegation or management or these sorts of things. And it, of course, it's because. As pe- as humans, we are able to develop and do amazing things that um by trying them and learning and practicing mm. them and getting better at them and continuous improvement
0: So, what are the things that you learned about yourself throughout your entrepreneurship journey?
1: Oh, so much. I think um what there's there's a few things. I'd say one is I've been learning to like myself more and because uh, because I, I think Throughout my life, but particularly early on, I uh, felt very insecure about who I was and um, how I compared to other classmates or friends Mm or later business owners, colleagues, whatever, and cared a lot about how I measured up and and how I compared and felt very uncomfortable that in many ways I felt different and um, (laughs) unusual or whatever in, in different ways. And I think over time and I think this is something that all adults do but I've I've been heavily coached on it both by business coaches and also my uh wonderful wife um to worry less about what other people think and care and and lean more into what makes me different and so for other entrepreneurs like what makes you different those Mm. those quirks that some of which you might try and hide from the the outside world and whatever are some of the things that actually do make you different and other people can really connect to. And I think being more uh willing to share that and and expose that and be transparent and so on has both freed me up and stopped me holding myself back in lots of ways, but also means I'm enjoying the journey more. Um even doing episodes, you know, and interviews like this, there's a variety of hang ups that I have had that would stop me from doing these sorts of things in the way that I'm doing them and uh, I've had to systematically work on those and Mm. let and let go but actually it's been more about letting go than it has been about improving it the improvements probably come afterwards so I'd say that's one of the big things that I've I've learned about myself I think the the other one that I I kind of alluded to a few times was how I was a bad manager I or, or particularly that I avoided managing And I partly avoided (laughs) managing because I was told that I would be a bad manager by my manager, which ironically makes me now reflect and go, it was a bad match. Bad, bad <laughs> it's like, like now, like if I think about an employee of mine, if I thought, you know what, if they had said, "Oh, in future, I want to be a business owner. I want to be a, a, a partner in this consulting firm, and I want to maybe be managing people," there's no way I'd say, "I don't think this is for you." Like, I, I, I think you, you don't have the skills to do this. I'd have been talking, I'd have been talking about how to do that. Um, so it's, it's funny that I think that that kind of gave me hang ups that I meant that. For years afterwards, I was avoiding managing people. I was uh, avoiding having one-to-ones and development discussions and all those sorts of things. And it wasn't until I just realised that, partly through mistakes where we lost good talent, um, where I realised, yeah, know I need this. I need to change the process. Um, and, uh, and as a result, we put processes in the business that mean that not only am I now good at. Uh, uh, managing people developing people performance managing people out of the business if necessary and and doing so in a way that people feel supported engaged empowered etc um but more importantly my managers in the business are able to do that too and i haven't had to go out and hire amazing people people uh, that uh, that can do this I, I we've been able to take amazing talent within the business and and give them the the tools and and so on um which, uh, yeah, now we've turned into templates and they're helping air manual clients to do the same in their businesses. So it's kind of nice that I've taken a, an area that I was weak in and now we're helping like the world <laughs> become better managers, make it easier on managers and business leaders so that they can have high-performing staff and, and so on, which is a, a, a nice nice journey given where I
0: started. And you did, but it's often the case with uh, many entrepreneurs. All right. Well, we've been talking a lot. Well, no, you've been talking a lot. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, Lauren. No, no, fine. And so um, my, my last question for you is uh, my favorite question. If You take all the experience that you've had acquired over the years and, you know, summarize it into one practical recommendation for other entrepreneurs or aspiring entrepreneurs, what would it be?
1: Oh, I'm I'm so tempted to be the maverick in this, Lauren, and say my one recommendation is avoid one recommendations. (laughs) (laughs) Because because what you're looking for as an answer needs to be uh, grounded in what you're trying to achieve as a goal and what the obstacle that you've got the time. You know, I remember a, a great uh, entrepreneur um, uh, you know, that, that uh, I know uh, uh, reasonably well who has uh, grown their business to seven-figure profits, not revenues. And I remember him being asked as as part of a roundtable uh, that I was part of, um, you know, what's the number one, like, book or, you know, what's the few books that you'd recommend? And the answer he gave is, what's your problem? And, of course, like, the room laughed, but, of course, it's because... It depends on the problem that you're trying to solve that the book recommendation would change, whether you're whether you've got an issue of not enough leads or whether you've got an issue of struggling to hire staff or that um, the start that you're struggling with having enough time to bring them in and onboard them and so on. So I I, I think that that would probably be the one thing that I would recommend uh, is get clear on your problem and find the person or the resource that can help you solve it because there are so many things out there now, there are so many wonderful people like yourself uh, that provide, that have been through these experiences, that have spoken to the right people, that can connect you to that right per- person. And I think as an as entrepreneurs, we often shy away from that. We, we think we have to solve all the problems. We think that asking for, for help is somehow a weakness and that other people will think, oh, you know, you, you're meant to be a successful entrepreneur and you have to ask me you know, how to do a good job of bringing in a salesperson. Like, but actually, that is strength. That is not weakness. Uh, identifying a problem, go and, and go find someone and a resource and someone that can support you is the by far and away the biggest uh, factor of my success over the uh, over however many years, decade
0: plus. <laughs> Amazing! Thank you for your time today. Thank you for your passion. I can I can really feel it. <laughs> it's been a pleasure. I've enjoyed it. So, last question: How can people contact you?
1: Yeah. So, and I'd love them to do so. It's it's amazing to me that I've you know I've I've appeared on uh, various interviews and I've discussed this with other other people on podcasts and so on. And it's amazing that a, a great podcast like this can have. Uh, hundreds, thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of, of listeners, and yet such a tiny percentage of people actually reach out to the uh, to the interview, uh, interviewees and so on. So I challenge you, if you're listening to this episode, do reach out to me. You can do so either via uh, social media. Um, best one is probably LinkedIn. I'm Alexis Kingsbury. There's not many of us with that name, so <laughs> you'll find me. I'm the co-founder of Spider Gap and Air Manual. Alternatively, you can email me at alexis.kingsbury at airmanual.co. Uh, And then, of course, the other thing is that we're producing a variety of resources around freeing up your time on onboarding your team members, on uh, reducing mistakes in your business. Uh, The best way to find all those is either on social media. You can check out Air Manual or you can go to the website airmanual.co where you'll find uh, both the tool and the ability to arrange, a course, of consultants and all the resources and so on, including templates uh, uh, and checklists that we've talked about in today's uh, interview.
0: Excellent. Well, again, thank you, Alexi, for your time today.
1: Absolute pleasure. Thank you so much.
0: And thank you for listening. If you like this show, leave a review on your favorite podcast platform so you can help inspire more entrepreneurs. See you next time. Bye-bye.